Has anybody ever said to you, Chelsea, grow up? I doubt it. You're pretty grown. <laughs> Has anybody ever said that to you? Or quit being so childish. Those are fighting words. <laughs> Justin, no pointing, especially at your wife. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah, uh, I've heard that before. I've even probably used those terms a few times, right? Just grow up. What, what do you mean by it? What do people mean by that when they're saying that? Obviously, it's a little disrespectful. Obviously, it's trying to, to get you to see their point a little bit. What, what do they mean? They mean, you know, like a child or being maybe petty, self-centered, selfish, um, irresponsible maybe, unreliable. Lots of things come to mind when you call somebody out on being kind of immature. Grow up. As we continue our message series in the book of Philippians entitled Moving Forward, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church, the Christians at Philippi. And so the title for today's message is uh, Growing Up, because we're here in chapter 3, and Paul has been going through this whole letter of Philippians, saying this basic thing, live the life that you were meant to live in Christ, and press on, grow in it, mature in that life. He's been sharing in the beginning of this chapter. We're in chapter 3, the book of Philippians today. He was sharing some things at the beginning we talked about last week about his own faith, his own journey, where he's been, where he's at, where he's looking towards, who he's looking towards, Jesus. And now he turns very poignantly to, to these Christians and to you and to me this morning. And so I'm going to begin in verse 12. And we looked at verses 12 and 13 and 14 last week, but I'm going to kind of overlap them because, so we can keep uh, in the right context here. And I'll read verses 12 in the third chapter of Philippians through verse 21 to the end of this chapter. And it says this, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join, me in, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things 
But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Let's pray. Father God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You, Lord, that You've not left us as orphans, but You have pursued us with Your Son. Lord, You've given us Your Spirit. And this morning, we look to you, God, for guidance. We look to you uh, for your will to be done in our lives. So, Holy Spirit, speak to us today. May we be doers and not hearers only. Prick our hearts. Open up the doors to those compartments in our lives that we have shut off and kept from you. And Lord, we give you praise for what you're doing and going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So, like I said, last week in the first half of chapter 3... Um, we were told that Paul has been given a new perspective. And all of us, when we come to Jesus Christ, we put our faith in Him as Savior, we're given a new perspective of our past, of our present, and of our future. And so in the second half of this chapter, um, the challenge from Paul is to grow in that perspective, is to grow as followers of Christ, to mature in our faith. See, to be a Christian is to grow, right? Yes, it's to be saved. We're justified by a holy God. It's not by works. We're not working towards salvation. It's by faith that we come to Christ and declare that He is Lord. And, but at that point, a transformation begins to take place in our lives. If we are indeed His children, if we have indeed put our faith in Him as Savior, and that transformation doesn't stop till we see him face to face. See, Christ calls all to come. Every race, every tribe, every tongue, every gender, every class, every way of life from any kind of past, whether it's a self-righteousness or the worst of sinners, Paul tells us, the broken, the rich, the poor, the high in reputation, the outcasts, all are welcome Come with faith like a child, right? That's what he, his word tells us. That's what Jesus said. But the call of Jesus is not to stay with the faith of a child. It's to mature. Who I am today is not who I was yesterday by the grace of God. And not that I'm fully grown yet, just like Paul said. Not that any of us are fully mature or fully grown yet. But by God's grace and the power of his spirit, what a gift. We are maturing, hopefully, in our faith and in our obedience to Christ. So I want us to look at three very practical uh, aspects that Paul addresses on growing up or maturing in our faith and our walk with Jesus. The first is to prior, prioritize maturity. Prioritize maturity in your life. He said in verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if you're not, you'll become this way. The goal is to continue to mature. Paul is not saying I'm completely mature, but he is maturing. Remember, he just said, not that I've achieved it yet, but I press on. Make that a priority in our life. See, Paul counted everything else, everything beside his relationship with Jesus and growing in that, he told us in the beginning of this chapter, as garbage. He used pretty harsh language. All of that was beside the point, was loss 
in light of growing and maturing in his knowledge of Jesus and his obedience to him. This is, a, this is an intentional maturity on your part and on my part, but it's also a spiritual maturity. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're not, we're not achieving this on our own, right? We've all have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit wants you to mature in your faith. Wherever you're at in your faith, wherever I'm at, he wants me to grow in that, in my walk with Jesus Christ. So he's moving in you today to grow your faith today, to draw you closer. You may say, yeah, well, of course, prioritize. We want to grow in our, I mean, that's why I'm here, right? Doesn't everybody want to grow? No, not everybody wants to grow. Not everyone has the desire to mature in their faith. It's We've gotten our cards stamped by Jesus, and that's good enough, and now I've just kind of added him to my life, but that's not God's will. That's not the call of Jesus, and that is not the way to live abundant, full life. So many of us are just slogging along with the rest of society and the world, just trying to get from one place to the other, bummed out all the time, no hope, no peace, because we've got Jesus, we've just kind of put it in our back pocket for that day when God says, who are you? Oh, oh, I got that. No, it's to grow in our walk with him. Why don't some want to grow? Well, some are just spiritually dead. It may be that you have not come through the cross of Christ. It may be that I'm spiritually dead and I'm still, I just added Jesus or I just came, somebody witnessed to me and they skipped the repentance part. They skipped the cross part. They just said, Jesus will make your life great. Maybe I've come in that way. Maybe I'm still spiritually dead. Or maybe I am a Christian, and maybe I've just stunted my growth, stunted my maturity somehow. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Because, see, today there is a full frontal attack on all of us, and especially as Christians. There's an attack on your affection, on your attention in your life. Satan and our flesh, as co-conspirators, attack us all the time. We use every tactic to get you distracted this morning. Some of them are obvious in our lives. Social media, politics, immigration, social justice, the media, religion, social issues. Now, some of you are going, wait a minute, you said some good things in there. Yeah, there's some good things, but those aren't number one to me. Number one is Jesus and my walk with him, and that has to stay that way. The world will try to bully us and bully you into thinking, to putting other things on the throne of your life. And Jesus said, I must be Lord of your life. Paul is saying, press on, throw everything else aside. In the city, in this city, it's, it's difficult as well. I mean, a lot of times just self-preservation, just survival, Rent, crime, sanity, loneliness, is real. those are real things in this city. And it's not that those things aren't real, but it's that those things can't be first and foremost in my heart and life. That can't be all of my attention going to those things. It has to be Jesus. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 1 said this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off 
everything that hinders and, and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He uses strong words there. Throw off. Throw off sin, but he also says throw off those things that are hindering you from maturing, from walking with Christ more deeply. Seek to please Him first and foremost. The problem is, I think, in that passage, he says, fixing our, uh, he says uh, run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Some of us just don't either trust the race that God has marked out for us, or we just don't want His race. We just don't want His path. We've got better ideas. No, He's, he's got a race for you to run. So first we must desire it, right? Which if you're in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit is working in you to desire it, creating that desire in your heart. When you hear this message, at the very least, it ought to automatically bring a little conviction. Yes, I want to mature. Yes, I want to grow. At least a little bit. That's the Holy Spirit within us. See, to prioritize maturing in my faith means a couple things. It means this. It means, number one, I understand my own weakness, right? Like the psalmist wrote, prone to wander. Lord, I know it. I feel it. I know my own weakness. It also means that if I'm left to myself, I will make a habit of sinning. If I take my eyes off Jesus, if I'm not walking in close proximity to Him in my heart, I will run to sin, sprint to it. And I believe that my sin will wreck me. So for me to ever want to prioritize walking with Christ and growing and maturing, I have to believe those things. I have to, I have to be honest with myself and say, you know what, I'm weak. I know if I don't stay connected to the vine, I'll be in trouble. I will sin. But I also, it also means that I desire to walk in the freedom from that bondage. I believe that Jesus frees me from that bondage. I believe that he can get me through the temptation. He can give me victory day in and day out. Now, again, I'm not talking about work salvation. I'm not talking about justified before the throne of God. You are that in Jesus if you have come to him in faith. I'm talking about walking in a, in a manner that's pleasing to him, growing in my knowledge and understanding of him. Now, if you don't believe those things, well, it may be time to seriously consider your faith. Have I really come to Jesus for salvation? Because His Spirit is automatically saying those things to my heart. It may be that you do believe those things, but in your life, maybe you've quenched or grieved the Spirit or ignored the Holy Spirit enough that you begin trusting in the things of the world. We begin getting our eyes off of Christ. Today's the day to put Jesus back on the throne, to see Him as Lord of your life and to prioritize growing in Him. Remember, we talked about this a little bit last week and I didn't read the passage. I want to read it this morning. Jesus addressed this, right? Of living a life with our eyes on every other thing and not prioritizing my walk with Christ and my relationship with Him. In Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 16, Jesus says, or it says, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. 
And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Listen, this morning, number one in your life, number one in my life needs to be, I want more of Jesus. I want to walk closer to him. It doesn't matter how long you've been a believer. None of that matters. He's continually drawing us. Come closer. He has more for you. That's the most critical thing. So Paul says, prioritize it. But we also see in this passage, we prioritize maturity, but we identify maturity in our life. What makes for growth in my maturity? In verse 17, he says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Now, Paul is, sometimes comes across a little arrogant. He's not saying, I'm perfect. That's not what he's saying. He's saying what I just told you about putting, running after Jesus, pursuing him, pressing on, straining forward to, to grab what he has for me. Do that. Do what I've just been talking about. He's not perfect. He said that in verse 12 in the same chapter. He said, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but press on. Keep growing. Forget what is behind and lay hold of Christ. Paul also said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So in essence, what he's saying is look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Listen, there are, there are basically three types of people in your life this morning. If you do a little inventory. There are those who encourage you in your faith and in your walk. They're life-giving and you know, that, that can even be somebody you are ministering to or you're witnessing to. You are reaching out with the love of Christ to. I mean, nothing sets your faith on fire like sharing your, sharing your testimony, sharing your faith with someone. So there's those people and those um, situations where your faith is encouraged, but there's also those people in your life who really have little or no effect on your faith, right? On your walk with Christ. Maybe it's just an acquaintance at work. Maybe it's just friends who you just don't really have spiritual conversations. You know, you just, you just, they just really have no effect on your faith. You don't really go there with them. And then you have people who are intentionally or unintentionally a drag on your faith. They are an obstacle to your maturity. You know not to bring up your faith in Jesus around them, Right? But they have some other place in your life. They have some other position or they do something for you as a friend or some, some, for some reason they're in your life. Maybe it's a family member. You don't really have a choice, but they're in your life. Here's the key. You've got to have people in your life. Paul is saying right here, look to those mature, those that are pursuing Christ, those that are pursuing to grow in Jesus, those that are edifying you and encouraging you and holding you accountable in your faith. Have those people in your life, those people you can look to, you can hang on to at times. You're always going to have the others. We are always going to have the others. And that third, that third uh, group of people who are opposed to your faith or, or hinder your faith, or when you hang out with them, you find yourself 
Maybe you, you know, you say things you wouldn't normally say or do things you normally should. Those are always going to be there. That temptation is always going to be there. We've got to begin to organize our lives in such a way that we can fix our eyes on Jesus and we have people in our lives that are encouraging our faith and we can watch them walk. We can share our walk with them. And right now, as you think about your own life personally, maybe some people came to your mind. Here's what you do now. I'm not saying you go through and just lop, lop people off in your life. Sometimes you have to do that. Pray about, see how you can move them from that total opposition towards the middle to that first person who you can share your faith with, that you can walk with in faith. Be moving those people gradually towards the center so that you can, this is the most important thing in your life. And so that will help you as you build a relationship with them, set boundaries and pray and all those things. How can I move them closer to that kind of relationship with me? So real quick, what does maturity look like? What does is, what is maturity and maturing in my faith look like? That word mature is teleos in the original language here in the Greek. It means perfection or growth, right? And, and a couple other times, in, we're going to talk about a passage in Hebrews in a minute, um, this word is used talking about maturing, talking about not being a child anymore in your faith. Don't be childish in your faith. And so a couple things that mature, being mature and growing in maturity is, number one, it's pressing on. Verse 12, he says, but I press on to make it my own, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Listen, maturing means that I am active. I am intentional. I am, I am organizing the people in my life. I am organizing my schedule, my calendar, all those things around desiring to mature and to know Jesus more. That word straining means to reach for or stretch for. So to mature is to press, press on in my faith. It's also to grow, grow in my faith and in my walk, grow in my obedience. When I look around my life, when I look at who I was five years ago, Am I the same person? Or am I growing in my obedience? It's also seeking and desiring to know the will of God for my life, for the future. Instead of seeking my own plans, my own good, I'm desiring to know God's will for me today and in the future. Paul said in verse 14, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So the bottom line is if I'm maturing, Jesus is becoming more and more the center of my life, the center of my thoughts. There's some example of immaturity here as well. First of all, opposition to the gospel. He says... Those that don't walk this way walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. See, Paul's been addressing these legalists, right? They keep going back and adding to the message of Christ. The Judaizers, they're talking about circumcision. They keep going back to these works and the law. And he calls them wolves who infiltrate. And they're attacking the message of Christ. Listen, this is true of worldly influences. But it's also true of Christians, so-called quote-unquote Christians, Charles Spurgeon said, professors of religion who get into the church and yet lead ungodly lives are the worst enemies that the, uh, of the cross of Christ. 
So immaturity is intentionally or unintentionally, I am in opposition to the cross of Jesus and the way that I live my life. It's also self-centered. He says that their God is their belly, right? That's part of being childish. I want it, give it to me now. It's about me. It's idolatry. I am on the throne of my life. I want to protect myself. I want to provide for myself, take care of myself. I'm seeking to satisfy some eternal emptiness with temporary things, whatever makes me look good, what makes me feel good about myself, what makes others like and appreciate me in this age of social media, that's huge. Immaturity is also walking in sin. He says they glory in their shame. And he says their end is destruction. Listen, sin leads to death. That's not only that's that's not just some mystical idea. That is true. That is there's consequences to sin. It leads to death. It's not how we were designed to live. All sin leads to death. And he says they glory in their shame. They have pride in their sin. We talked about this uh, last week that or the week before. That what happens when we have pride is that pride comes from brokenness. And so we decide to defend ourselves. We're going to defend ourselves because of whatever the brokenness that has happened in my heart and in my life. And so I start, I start boister, being boisterous about my sin or my, my brokenness. And we start changing the definition of what good is, what righteous is. It's idolatry. And the MO of our culture today is all about self, feeling good about myself, being affirmed about myself. But coming to Christ is, I stop lying to myself and I'm saying, you're right. I'm not okay. You're not okay. I'm broken, sinful, lost. I'm prone to wander, even Christian. We live in a fallen world. Come, confess your sin. And finally, immaturity is world-focused. He says, with minds set on earthly things. That is a, that's a tough one. Because we live in this world, but we're not of the world. So many of us have our attention set first and foremost on society, culture, politics, whatever it is. Anything but Jesus first and foremost. And listen, this is critical, Christian. When I take my eyes off Christ and set them on the things of the world, what the world says is important, and I allow the world to set the conversation, what the culture happens to celebrate today and cancel tomorrow or, or vice versa, when I allow anything else or anyone else to take the throne in my heart, as a believer, I'm living in opposition to the cause, the cross of Christ. And we do that. I'm not saying nothing else is important. I'm saying Jesus has to be on the throne. I've got to be pressing into him, wanting to know him more. So that, guess what? When I post something online, it's seasoned with a little godly wisdom. How many of us get ourselves in some difficult situation? We say, well, they're just, they're just uh, sinful and they're evil. That's why they're mad about it. Press into Jesus. Let him speak to you and through you. Hebrews 5, 
has an interesting passage of scripture here talking about spiritually mature. He says, and immature. He says, about in verse 11, he says, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment. That, that phrase there, dull of hearing in the Greek, literally means lazy. See, this, is, this often happens to us as believers. We become lazy. We become dull of hearing the voice of Christ because we've just accepted the voices of the world all around us. We're listening too closely to everything around us. I've allowed the world's voice to be as loud or louder than the Spirit's voice in my life. And so instead of dis- disciplining myself with a steady diet of the Word of God, keeping my heart sensitive to His voice, I just kind of go with the flow, the path of least resistance in culture. Apathy is one of the most dangerous opponents to a vibrant relationship with Jesus. I talk to people a lot of time, even for, for lost folks who are very vehement in their opposition their skepticism, and I'll, we'll go down this philosophical road, this apologetics and all these things, and I, I, listen, let me encourage you. Jesus is logical. Don't be afraid of getting, in, getting into a conversation with someone who wants to, you know, jump off into a philosophical and talk about logic and truth and all that. Study up, be ready, and head on down that road because he is more logical than anyone, anything. But anyway, um, we start going down that road, and a lot of times we'll get to a certain point, and they'll just say, I don't know. I, I really don't care. <laughs> Wait, that's not fair. Put in a lot of work to it. <laughs> but apathy is rampant in our society. Whatever, whatever happens will happen. And Christians, that becomes, that becomes our MO too. Listen, I just want to cause any waves. I want to live my life. I'm, I believe in Jesus. I believe I'm going to heaven, all those things. But I just, you know, I just kind of leave it on the side for now. no. That's when we become numb of hearing. That's when we become dull and we become a child, he says in that passage of Scripture. Immaturity often looks like this also. A continual state of Jesus trying to prove himself to me. You know, when you get online and I have people send me stuff all the time and it's like, look what they said. Isn't this interesting? And I'm, I'm not afraid of looking into some of these, you know, oppositions to the cross and all those things. But we get ourselves in a place, if we're not growing and reading the word and studying the word and spending time in prayer, we start to be shook in our own faith. It's almost like, really? Does God's word really say that? Remember Satan said that in in the garden? Did he really say that? I don't know. I mean, that's a good person. I don't, you know, we start, we're, we're like a child. He's saying, we grow and if, um, we grow by a steady diet of the word of God. Ephesians 4 says, Be no longer like children that are tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Listen, there's a war going on. There's a battle. Settle your heart on Christ. Seek him first. And it takes, remember I said it's a, 
intentional and spiritual. It is spiritual. This is, this is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, but it takes some intentionality. I like the way the NIV puts it in Hebrews 5 there in verse 14. He says, But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. There's a training involved as we're maturing. It's not osmosis. God gives us the opportunity and the blessing of being a part of that. I read something this week said, I want to get in shape, but I don't want to get caught up in one of those eat right and exercise scams. <laughs> There's no shortcut in maturing in your faith. It's spending time in the Word of God. It's, it's searching for answers in the Word of God. My kids come to me throughout the years with questions about things happening in the culture and society and even in politics and stuff. And they say, what is... You know, what do we believe about this? Where I say, take a little journey and get in the Bible and come back to me when you've dug through it a little bit. Christian, we have to take an inventory of our lives today. Do the things in my life, do the people in my life push me towards Jesus, encourage my faith, or not? It doesn't mean that we have to shut off everybody in our life who is not this strong, leading Christian but it means we have to know who to look to. We need to spend our time and our energy and our resources investing in the Word of God and in prayer and in growing in my faith. That's got to be first and foremost priority in my life. Everything else is second. That's what Paul said all throughout this chapter. I press on. Forget about that. Move forward. Because we make a thousand little compromises a day. And those little compromises is where the battle is won or lost. Listen, you got to be honest with yourself this morning. As you're taking this inventory of your life, where you're at, your maturity, are you growing? Be honest with yourself. If there's people in your life that came to mind, you go, well, I'm just, I'm helping them. I'm, okay, is that true? Are you really investing? Are you really praying for them? Are you really, when you're with them and you're hanging out and, you know, the people that are in that group, maybe that you have at work or at school, whatever, are you praying and are you thinking, how can I be an influence for Christ right here? Is there a constant conversation going on? So it's intentional and it's spiritual. Listen, this morning what you may need to ask is, you may, do, you need, you may need to pray and ask God, listen, no, don't say listen to God, but uh, say, God, I need this desire. I want to desire you more. Give me wisdom. Give me discernment to know how to set my life up, how to set my priorities. I want your priorities to be my priorities, God. Help me to identify the people in my life, the people that you've brought into my life. That may, I remember when I was a senior in high school, I had a good friend. He was a strong Christian, and I was not. I had been brought up in the church and prayed to receive Christ and all those things, but as a senior, I was living a totally not that way. And he knew me from a child, and he was like, Steve, come on, man, come on. And I, I just basically shut him out of my life. God has put people in your life. Look around. May not be who you expected. May not be who you put as first and foremost, but seek after that. Identify those things in your life that are pushing you towards Jesus or away from Jesus. And then finally, mature in your hope. As followers of Christ, we should be maturing in our hope. We should be growing in hope. We should be celebrating our hope. We should be reflecting hope in our lives. 
He finishes this passage in verse 20. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior. Praise God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Paul does this a lot in his letters. He'll be talking about something, teaching in depth about this issue in the church or this theological truth or doctrine of grace or whatever. And then he'll just bust into this worship. He'll just bust into this descriptive reminder of his ultimate hope beyond the grave and his Savior. When all these struggles are past, when all the pain and suffering of this broken body and the temptation and the depression and the wars and the hatred, when they disappear and we will be face to face with our Savior, as sure as you're sitting here this morning, that day is coming for the believer. Paul is saying just as the Romans at this time, they spread throughout, they would take over provinces and they weren't in Rome anymore, but they still, their allegiance was to Caesar. Everything they did, everything they talked about and planned was looking to Caesar for their marching orders. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our Savior. Everything goes back to our Savior. Look to your King. We await a Savior, the Lord Jesus. Listen, the life of faith is a supernatural one, right? From beginning to end. Our hope is not in the temporary things. Our hope is not in the stock market. Our hope is not in the president. It's not in the weather. Praise the Lord. We're not looking to the carnal. Our hope is in an all-powerful, gracious, good, loving creator and sustainer of life. He holds me in the palm of his hand. When, when Paul says, imitate me, that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, look. Look to Jesus. Make him first and foremost in your life in a very practical way, the way you organize your schedule every day, the people that are in your life, and the hope that you have that this is not the end. Remember, all of this will be worth it. Your ticket is already purchased. You are already in the family. You are loved and you are approved of. Man, one of the hardest things as a parent is to watch your kid run and run and run after the approval of the world, of others. We spend our whole lives, we've tried, we're not, we're not perfect at it, but we want our kids to feel secure, right? You are loved, and so take your time. Take your time finding those relationships. You don't have to be desperate we are loved by a Savior who never leaves us, never forsakes us, is constantly speaking to us through His Spirit and has prepared a place for us. This journey to mature in Christ, although it seems like it's a struggle in this world and at times it is, but it's a hopeful one. We're, we're resting in His promises and that's what we do here on Sunday morning. That's what we do in small group. That's what we do in D group is remind one another of the hope that's in Jesus Christ. We, we seek to spur one another on in our faith and in good works and encouraging one another, reminding one another of God's promises. That's what spending time in the Word of God does as well for you. And here's another key element. When we're living with that hope, we experience life differently. 
than the world around us. It gives us, a, it gives us that different perspective. It grows that perspective. My perspective of suffering is, okay, Lord, you say all things work together for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. I, I, I'm going to trust in that. You say, Lord, this hurts, but I know that you are with me because your word says you will never leave me or forsake me. I don't know how many times you spent in prayer just quoting God's promises back to him. I do it all the time. You said, <laughs> and I'm holding on to that in tears and in brokenness sometimes. It, it, it means saying, God, this loss is painful, but I know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And as Paul said in chapter 1 of Philippians, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. We don't merely await that day. We eagerly, eagerly await with joyful expectation. I said the Christian life is a supernatural one. And God wants to work in your life to shine that hope to people around you. But it confounds the world. If we will live that way, that's that questionable living we talk about sometimes. You want people to ask you about your faith? Live in such a way that they see that hope. My oldest son was telling me a couple days ago, he had a friend, that he, an old friend that he got back together with, and his friend's not a believer, and he's very antagonistic, and he's got all these questions, and he said he came to me with all these questions like, you know, um, like, where'd the water go after the flood? How is Jesus also his father? You know, just giving him all these questions. And he was like, some of them I could answer, and some of them I just had to say, well, I'm not sure, you know. He goes, how do I answer that? I said, well, ultimately tell him it's by faith, and, but there's also this, this road you can walk down. But an interesting quote from Thomas Aquinas, he said, to one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. To one without faith, no explanation is possible. Listen, walk in faith. Grow in your faith. Grow in the hope that you have in Christ so that the world around you, that you can be usable in the hands of God in the world around you. Maturing in my faith means I, I mature in my hope. It's one of the most powerful testimonies of who Jesus is to the world around you. Because what hope does is it frees me to not respond to struggle and to pain and to uncertainty the same way that my coworkers or my lost friends or family members or neighbors do. And they see that. Now this whole process of maturing is not an obsession with self. It's an obsession with Jesus. And when I'm obsessed with Jesus, Christ leads me into the lives of others. He uses me in the lives of others in the world around us. We talked about getting people in our lives that encourage our faith, and that's vital. But that doesn't mean I don't have broken people in my life. On the contrary, one of the things the church has done to its detriment is we've tried to hide away from the world. But what Christ has called us to do is fix our eyes on Him, grow in my walk with Him, prioritize that first and foremost in my life in order that He moves through my life. Listen, you don't have anything to offer this world. All your opinions about whatever's going on has very little to offer. And it will not change someone's heart. You can argue all day on whatever blogs you get on. It will not change someone's opinion or their heart. But Jesus changes everything. Remember that. He's changed you and he can change anyone. So, 
Let me encourage you with that this morning, to mature in your faith. Don't be so childish. Grow up. That's what Paul is calling us to do. Let's just prioritize that in our lives. And when we do that, we live with a hope. We live with a hope that the world just can't understand. And then God can work in and through our lives to touch the world around us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy. God, on days when I'm pressing on, when I'm pressing in to you and seeking to grow and to mature, Lord, you, you uh, draw me, you prod me, you carry me. On days when I don't feel like it, on days when I'm even in rebellion, you love me, you care for me, you're calling to me, you're whispering to me, you're still drawing me, God, every one of us. So this morning, God, help us to surrender more and more. May we decrease and Christ increase in our lives. May we have a desire to know you more. Give us eyes to see. Give us wisdom to organize our lives in a very practical way around growing in our walk with you. And Lord, shine your hope through us and help us to be ready to give a reason for that hope in Jesus. His name we pray, amen.